Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rody Fisher. Well, good morning, listeners, and welcome to On the Road with Jesus, where in Matthew, Jesus says, Matthew 4, 19, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm your host, Rody Fisher, coming to you live from Hope Radio here in Corona, California. And thank you, Clint Gonzalez, for the lead-in song. I'd like to open up in prayer. Um, so thank you, Lord, for you saving us. Lord, thank you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for being here today, Lord. Father, I do ask that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill me, Lord, and give me words to speak. Father, you say the steps of a righteous man are ordered by you, so order my steps, my thoughts, my words. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, thank you so much for joining us. Today, I'd like to talk about this journey that I'm on with Jesus and thus on the road with Jesus. When I was talking to the Lord about this show, I had envisioned me walking down this road with my hands tight with Jesus or walking down a path or driving a car or on a plane or somewhere going somewhere with Jesus. And, you know, the road is always not straight or, you know, it could be uphill or downhill. And so whatever comes our way, whatever happens, um, we would be happy to know that Jesus is right there with us, right? But sometimes it's scary. Um, but along the road with Jesus, um, Mark and I, being in ministry, um, had made acquaintances, become friends. Um, some of us, some of the people that we've met along the road with Jesus have been really good friends. So I said to the Lord, Lord, would you want me to have a guest on this show or am I going to talk for an hour every show? And he said, sometimes I'd like for you to have a guest. And again, it was just a, it was just that still small voice that I heard saying that to me. So um, I talked to Mark about it, and he thought it was a good idea. And um, I called twenty one of our friends in ministry, and some are not in ministry, but they have a really um, pertinent testimony, and so. I called these 21 people and I said to Mark, 
You know, Mark, if five people say yes to coming on the show, I would be ecstatic. And um, and that way I would have one person uh, on the show, one person a month, and I could speak the other three weeks. And so I said, and five is a really good number because, you know, in the Jewish the Jewish scholars, the Jewish um, people believe that five is the number of grace. And I thought God's grace on this show would be so great with five people. So I gather up the names and I have 21 people and I start calling them. And believe it or not, five people said yes right away. Um, so here I was, I fulfilled my number that I was looking for, but I had a whole list of names to go through. And so I continued to call until I got to the 21st name. And would you believe everyone said yes, except for one person. And that one person said, Rody, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying, I don't know how I can fit you in. My schedule is so busy from now until November. I'm not even sure if I can entertain the idea. But give me some time to think about it, and I'll let you know. So far, I haven't heard from her, but we'll see. But in the meanwhile, as God would have it, I get this call from someone that I hadn't called. And I hadn't called him because... He lives in Nepal. And why would I call him? Because he lives so far away. And he calls and he says, um, calls me right on my phone, like, you know, not, not um, you know, on writing on Facebook or something. But anyway, he calls me and he says, Rowdy, I saw your show and I would love to be on it. So I turned to Sean like, two weeks after I started here, and I said, Sean, somebody is asking me to do this show from Nepal. Can we do that? And he graciously says, let me see what we can do. Well, we're going to have him on in a couple of weeks. We had to rearrange a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm really praising the Lord for that. But I say all that, and I'm super excited that and honored that people even said yes. I would have been happy with, like I said, five. But um, so today I thought it's just going to be you and me and Jesus. And so here we go. <clears throat> and And next week I'll have a guest speaker and maybe for two weeks and then I'll be on again just by myself. But um, today, let's open up our word to um, Zechariah 9, 11, and 12. And um, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. And um, so bear with me, people that are um, King James or New King James only people. Um, but um, we're going to go to Zechariah 9, 11, and 12. And it says here, as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Doesn't sound really good, right? 
Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. So, wow, that's an interesting verse, right? Interesting two verses. But um, I I do want to say a couple of things about this. Um, Zechariah is the writer of this book. Although there are some scholars that think that um, verses 9 through 14 were possibly written by someone else because the style of writing is a little bit different. But um, I'm just going to go with Zechariah. And um, also, um, I thought it was interesting. He is a prophet. Um, they call him one of the 12 minor prophets, um, but thus he is a prophet. Um, and in chapter 9, he begins to encourage the people. Um, the people that he's speaking to were despondent, without hope, discouraged, demoralized, Um They were people who felt that they possibly drew the short straw in life because things were really bad at this point. They were so full of hope when they left Babylon. This is, you know, they've left Babylon and they're back in there in Israel. But they weren't, they weren't prepared for the devastation that they saw there. So here they are, depressed, hopeless. Can anyone relate to some of that type of hopelessness, Um, especially in this pandemic time? Well, this is the audience that Zechariah had to deal with. And, you know, when they left Babylon, these people were excited about going until they saw this devastation. So there was such a hard transition and this is about two years into their stay in 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 Israel, and you know they're trying to rebuild the temple and trying to get everything back in order. So they're still feeling hopeless because things aren't going the way they thought it should go. So um, what I wanted to point out, though, if you notice here, um, there are two types, two different types of prisoners that Zechariah is talking about through the Lord, of course. And the first one is um, the prisoner from the waterless pit. Um, Really, that sounds gross, right? But the waterless pit, what is that? Well, it was a prison, and usually they took an old well well, and... um, threw a prisoner in there. And, you know, sometimes it was waterless, like this one is saying it's waterless. And sometimes there was water in the pit um, because, after all, it was an old well and some water would seep in or rain would come and, you know, stay in there. As a matter of fact, um, um, there is a scripture. Let me find it um, here. Um It's in Psalm 40, verse 2. Let me get to that. Yeah, Psalm 42. I 
didn't mark it. I'm sorry. I was so rushed today. Um, I'm not making excuses for myself, but I've had a migraine for the last three days. So my head, my, <clears throat> my head was under a blanket most of the time, trying to keep it out of the sunlight. So much pain. Okay, um, Psalm 40, verse 2, where he says, um, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Well, that's that pit, you know. God took him out of a pit. Those pits were kind of prison-like. They were tossed in there. They put a rock over the top to, you know, to stop them from crawling out of this pit. And, you know, most of those prisoners ended up dying in there um, unless their families came by and moved the rock and threw some food down there and water. But this is that waterless pit that he's talking about in verse 11. And also, the other thing I wanted to point out is um, it's obviously sim sinful people that are, well, we're all sinful, but he's indicating that some, these people had done something wrong. So that's why they're in the pit. But the good news is he's promising them freedom, right? Because he's saying, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. And and before that, he says, it's because of my blood covenant with you. Well, what blood covenant is that? Well, it's the blood covenant of that Mosaic covenant with them. Um, you know, so he's going to free them. And if they follow the Lord, then they will have the Lord on their side too, like, like the prisoners in the number two example, which... Um, which he says here in um, verse 12, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Now, doesn't that sound good? Um, Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. So the second example here is prisoners of hope. And these people really needed that kind of hope. And I love the example of being called a prisoner of hope. I mean, these people were chained to their hope. They were connected. They were not going to move from it because they were imprisoned by this hope that God was going to give them. That's a lot of hope. And that's the kind of hope God needed to give these guys who were so distressed and despondent. You know, I talked to a friend one time, and I said, listen, I've been trying to call you. What's going on? And this friend said to me, I've been just so despondent, I couldn't talk to anybody. Sometimes people just lose hope. Well, Zechariah is instilling hope in these people. He's saying, look, do not be discouraged prisoners of hope. God is giving you hope. I'm going to encourage you here. Um, I love the fact that um, 
it says here, he's also going to give a little promise here with the prisoners of hope. And he says, he's going to give us, give them twice as much as they had. So, wow, he's not only going to, you know, give them hope, but he's going to give them pressed down, shaken together, and runneth over kind of hope, like in Luke six thirty eight. Good measure, shaken together, and runneth over. That's a lot of that's a lot of giving. The other thing that I like is that scripture that says, I will restore what to you the years the locust hath eaten. And that's in Joel 2.25. And he's going to restore this to them. He says right here, for troubles without, no, he says, I'm sorry, I'm reading something else. He says right here, um, even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. So what a blessing, right? That he's going to give, pressed down, shaken together, runneth over twice as much. Um, I, I always find that when God replaces something, it's always better. So they're going to get better. Um, <clears throat> I do want to segue a little bit um, here and taking you on another journey with me. Um, about six to eight weeks ago, Mark and I were talking, um, for those of you that don't know me, Mark is my husband, and we're talking about um, possibly making a quick trip to Florida. And, you know, he said, I haven't seen my sister and her family and her husband in a while, and her husband just turned 90 last year. I wish I could have been there. Why don't we surprise them and just go? And I said, well, um, he says, yeah, of course, we're going to pray. And so um, we prayed about it. And I said, you know, we really should let them know because they travel too. Maybe they'll, won't, they won't be there. And there's a lot of things that we need to pray about to get all the way to Florida in this pandemic time, right? So, um, you know, the first thing we prayed about is, of course, our safety, that the plane would take off and land perfectly and not, you know, crash. And um, we also thought that um, we wanted to pray for something that was within our budget. And I remember the first time we started looking at fares, believe it or not, it was $1,600 round trip to Florida, a direct flight. That was our third thing that we wanted to pray about was we wanted a direct flight. We didn't want to be laid over in a, in a, um, at the airport for two, three, four, five hours. Some of them, some of the flights were up to like 13 hours you'd be in the airport. We didn't want that and we needed it to be a quick trip. So we were saying to the Lord, okay, if this is really you, we need it to be a trip with no layovers. Um, we also, of course, as I said earlier, we needed to check with his family. So we call his sister up and 
um, Georgia and Walker get on the phone together and they say, yes, we'd love to have you come over. So God answered, you know, one of our prayers very quickly. Um, And the timing was an issue also because, you know, I have this little show that I'm doing and, you know, we're going to fly across country and need to go and come back and give plenty of time for me to do the next show. And so um, we really needed all of the flights that we looked at to meet our standards as well as, you know, their standards. We didn't want to be arriving in the middle of the night for them. Um, So there was a lot of things to consider in terms of timing. And then, of of course, the safety issue with the pandemic. Um, We wanted to make sure that the flight that we were going on, you know, took everybody's temperature to see if they might be sick before they got on the plane. We wanted to make sure that everybody was required to wear a mask. Uh, We didn't want to get sick. We didn't want to take this trip and be laid up after that or go to the hospital. And so we were trying to be, you know, do our research and our due diligence to make sure that, you know, we're flying on an airline that was credible, that was going to do, you know, social distancing as well as social distancing in the airport. So, yes, lots of things to consider. And then, you know, we we're going to rent a car. So we thought if they if we needed to do special things, we didn't know if there was any requirement with renting a car. Well, seven items that we put before the Lord and... um You know, we were hoping, hoping that the Lord would answer our prayer and let us go. And we had those seven fleeces out, affordable, timely, you know, taking into consideration the pandemic, all those things. And just as the Lord would have it, everything worked out better than we could have expected. Um, The flight left at a reasonable hour. We got home at a reasonable hour. We got in. Everything just worked out beautifully. Um, And not to mention the fact that our family over there made the trip so wonderful. We got to reminisce and visit and have good conversation and go to church and visit family and extended family and their kids and It was so good. It was like we were there for a long time in a short amount of time. And, of course, we ate a lot, so that was good, too. Um, Went to some of their favorite restaurants, which now have become our favorite restaurants. So I say that because, you know, when you put God in it and you have hope, too, this is just a little example Um, It's not despondent kind of hope. It's a wishful kind of hope. It's a happy kind of hope. And God is into that too. Doesn't always have to be so stressful and so hopeless. But when you're there, especially in this time, it's good to know that you have God to lean on. He's just a prayer away. Um, And, you know, I did want to also talk about while we're gone, there were a couple of things that happened that were 
kind of unexpected. Um, we had heard that one of our really good, dear friends, we've known him for over 20 years, and I had asked him to be a guest on the show as well. And of course, he said yes, and I was earmarking him for later this year. And we hear that he's in the hospital, so I give him a call, and I I, for some reason, I thought he was well enough to either take the call or well enough that he was out of the hospital by the time I called him. So I call him on the phone, and he can barely talk, and he's just groaning. And I said, Pastor Wally, do not talk. I didn't know you were this ill. I didn't know what he had. I later found out he has COVID-19. I did not know you were this ill. I said, I do not want you to talk at all. I said, as soon as I'm done praying with you, just please hang up the phone and I'll let you go and I'll call, you know, your family member or, your, you know, your secretary or someone else to find out how you're doing. Well, you know, I prayed for him. And I heard the phone hang up, so I realized he understood exactly what I said. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week for part two of this program. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H, Fisher, at ontheroadwithjesus.com, with Jesus.com, or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project, Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. 